0: Before Dina Sampson was a Los Angeles restaurateur, she built a career in finance and held roles in marketing and branding, supporting some of the most recognizable names in celebrity culture. Dina eventually followed her chef husband into the food and beverage industry. Along the way, she opened acclaimed restaurants in Southern California and co-founded nonprofits to nurture other local business owners. She says cultivating a culture of joy, curiosity, and core values helps drive success. On this episode of Future Groove, we'll talk about how Dina's passions for connecting people and amplifying voices within the industry defined her professional life. Dina, how are you doing today?
1: I am great. Thank you so much for having me here today.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today on uh, Future Groove. You're a restaurateur in uh, the L.A. area. Uh, Rosso Blue and Superfine Pizza are two of your restaurants, and I hear you're opening a third. So tell us a little bit about those restaurants.
1: Yeah, great. So um, I am partners in my restaurants with my husband, uh, Chef Steve Sampson. Um, he has an Italian um, chef background, so they're all Italian restaurants, which is great. One is traditional Bolognese, Emilia Romagna food. The other is just pizza, great, great pizza. And the third one that we're about to open is we're calling it a California Osteria. So it's basically an Italian uh, restaurant with a with California sensibility.
0: Tell us a little bit about how you got into the restaurant business. Uh, I know you have a background in political science from UC Santa Cruz, so that doesn't seem to be like a direct connection. Maybe a little bit of work in finance, and maybe that is more of a connection. But tell us about how you got into the restaurant business and what your story is.
1: Sure, sure. So funny enough, no, my, my education, my background really didn't have anything to do with getting into the restaurant business. Um, well, so I thought. Um, I will say this. um, Basically, what was happening was my husband, um, actually boyfriend at the time, wanted to open his own restaurant. He didn't know the first thing about it. You know, he's a chef. He know the only thing he really knows how to do is cook. Um, And he said, "You know, will you help me open a restaurant?" So I used my finance background to help him find investors. So that's how I initially got involved. I thought that was going to be my only role in the restaurant, but it ended up after we did find the investor for the restaurant, the investor said, I will do this, but only if you become the general manager of the restaurant. (laughs) So funny enough, I had never run a restaurant. I mean, I was a hostess at Bob's Big Boy when I was 15 years old. That was my only experience within a restaurant the great thing was he really believed in me he this um this investor he trained me he paid for um a hospitality coach to train me on hospitality um i had this coach for four months and then the restaurant opened and there i was general manager of a restaurant so uh listen, it was trial by fire. I figured it out. And, you know, I think the important thing was I was, I was open to the challenge. And I tried to put everything that I had learned in the past, you know, towards this idea of of running a restaurant. You know, one of the things that he said was, you know, you've managed people, you've managed money, that's what this is. And so I said, okay, great. And went into it. And now here we are, 12 years later, (laughs) three restaurants later,
0: So my understanding is that you've been a chief of staff in managing businesses, and the name Sean Combs comes to mind. Can you tell me a little bit about Sean Combs and your uh, your working with him?
1: Yes. So Sean Combs, uh, otherwise known as P. Diddy. Back in the day, I was in New York. I was already working as a chief of staff for um, a hedge fund company, a CEO Mm -hmm. of a hedge fund company. I ended up getting recruited to, uh, work for Sean Combs. Uh, you know, I, I was leaving, I was really interested in leaving the finance industry at that time. So it was really compelling for me to try something new. Um, I interviewed him and I will, I'll tell you the, uh, well, I have a really strict NDA that actually goes on for perpetuity. But the one funny story that I will tell is he asked me what my sign was, my horoscope sign. And um, I told him I was a Scorpio and it ends up he's a Scorpio. So we thought we would get along really well together and and work together. So it was great. I mean, he had At that time, he had, and still does, has so many business lines. I mean, he was in music, fashion, beverages, telecom. I mean, all of it. It was really a great, challenging job. Uh, Again, open to the change, figured I could pull in all the experience that I had had in the past into this one role. And it was exciting, really exciting. A lot of work, a lot
0: of work. So you worked with a professional skateboarder and serial entrepreneur as well. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So of course, you know, when you kind of have that role and working in the entertainment industry, you know, word kind of gets around that you do can do this type of job. And so I then got recruited to work for Rob Dyrdek and um, he's amazing. I mean, just really, really a great serial entrepreneur, just a great person altogether. He was also on TV at the time and he really just needed help keeping everything organized in his life. He had so much going on um, in between, you know, shooting TV, um, all the businesses that he was investing in. Um, he also had partnerships with a lot of different brands. And so that role, again, super interesting and really dynamic. I think that was the one thing I was always looking for in my jobs is just this sense of dynamic um, in with the person that I was working with and within the industries that they were working in. Um, You know, I'm one of those people that really likes things always kind of moving and new learning new things and being curious. And so those roles, um, you know, both with P. Diddy and um, Rob Dyrdek really did help keep me challenged and thinking all the time.
0: What did you learn about uh, about branding and marketing in working with those guys?
1: oh my gosh these These two are masters at it. I mean, really, really, just iconic in the sense you know, just very thoughtful, you know, um to really think about you know what you stand for, um what you represent, and to make decisions with intent um you know, nothing was ever um you know haphazard. it was always well thought through based on who they were as people. And, and so, you know, that's again, where it gets very interesting. You know, when you know who you are as a person, everything else kind of comes easily because you set a standard for yourself, you set your values for yourself. And, and those two um, really taught me that. And, and, you know, they still continue to do that to this day. And, and um, I really try to um, encourage that in the businesses that I'm in and with the people that, you know, work with us.
0: What are your primary, turning back to the restaurant uh, business, what are your primary roles as a restaurateur, your primary responsibilities? And how has that changed uh, perhaps since you and your husband opened your first restaurant in 2011? I'm trying to remember the name of that restaurant.
1: Yeah, it was called Soto. Soto was the name of the restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, so in the beginning as a general manager... I mean, that is just you do everything. you run service, you manage a team, you do payroll, you do finance marketing, all of it. Um, again, this um kind of dynamic space, right? within the industry just kept me really curious and 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 wanting to learn more and more. And so that was very operational, very hands on in the restaurant, meeting guests. I mean, those were very long days. They were, you know, 14, 16 hour days um, at a time. And that was really hard. You know, I ended up having kids during that time. And so I had to find a better role there where I can still be with my children and, and um, help run the restaurant. And what I did was I thought about all the things I had learned, you know, in my background and really the two things that kept, kept coming up again and again were finance um, and marketing. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up about branding and marketing. Those were really my two strengths. And so that's what I do now on on a daily basis is I focus on the financials of the business, um, the, the marketing and the culture, the culture and that, you know, kind of our team core values and what we want to instill in the people that work with us, not even instill because we hire for that, but just um, promote and and kind of nurture that in our restaurant.
0: So you mentioned hiring people. I imagine over the years you've hired quite a few people. And uh, I'm just curious, what skills or traits do you look for when you're hiring employees? Mm, it's a good question.
1: So um, I don't really look for skill sets as much as I look for attitude and passion for what we do. Uh, You know, for back of house, um, for cooks, we really look for people who are very passionate about food and cooking and cooking for people and cooking with their hearts. I mean, that's really the biggest thing that we search for back of house. Um, I mean, some of our most successful cooks in the kitchen started as dishwashers and we move them to prep and then to cooks and then to sous chefs. So, so that's been very successful for, for us. Um, and then same thing for um, you know the front of house. When we hire people that um, are really experienced, sometimes, you know, there's some bad habits that can, that they might have from other restaurants. And so really what we like to do is hire people that maybe aren't as experienced, but have the right attitude and that passion for hospitality and making people happy. And then, you know, from there, we, we train them on the finer, finer um, details of service. And um, we found that we find that that's really been our success um, with hiring.
0: I understand you founded a number of charitable organizations. Tell us a little bit about the Independent Hospitality Coalition that you founded.
1: Yes. So the Independent Hospitality Coalition is an amazing organization. We're over a thousand members here in Los Angeles. You know, I I think what happened, you know, during the pandemic, there Restaurant owners actually finally had time because their restaurants were closed to really think about what their communities needed and what their restaurants needed, what their teams needed. And the Independent Hospitality Coalition came out of that because we realized that uh, there are so many of us in Los Angeles and we didn't have a unified voice to speak to what was happening for us, not even just during the pandemic, but just in general as an industry. So, you know, there were a group of us, 10 of us co-founded the coalition and we started to really come together to fight for a lot of legislation that would help benefit restaurants during the pandemic. Um, That's how it started. And here we are, you know, two, three years later, that's what we continue to do is to really fight for, the restaurants and the restaurant owners and the and the the employees to have a voice within the larger economy, it's just so important because as individuals we didn't have that voice. It was really hard, but now we're all together and the, we just the other day we were all on a call trying to fight the ordinances that they're trying to put on um, alfresco dining, which would really cripple the industry. But you know, a, a lot of us got on the call for the hearing and stated our choices and how we wanted to help. And we're on a campaign right now, up until March 3rd, you can actually write and um, send in your opinion on the whole thing. So we're trying to get everybody to send their opinions on this to keep Alfresco Dining, um, you know, easily accessible.
0: Tell us about the other organizations that you founded that are, have a charitable nature about them.
1: Sure. So similar to um, the Independent Hospitality Coalition that we co-founded during the pandemic, there were also other we found other ways to really help the community. Um, one of them um, was called Feed Love LA. Uh, and I co-founded this along with the owners of Bestia. Chef Ori and uh, Chef Genevieve Georges, we basically co-founded um, this nonprofit to help feed people during this time. Um, we started off just really just feeding our teams because they were they had no, you know they had no jobs and um, unemployment at that time was really hard to get, and so we basically raised money to feed people. And so we would collect groceries, we would cook prepared meals, and we would have just food lines come through. Um, And then we realized there was a greater need for um, other communities. Um, We found uh, that Hospice people um, needed and their families, they needed uh, meals. And so we started cooking for them. We saw foster homes, um, they needed meals. So we started cooking for them. And so it was just a really great way to still do what we love. Um, with the support of um, individuals wanting to contribute um, and and actually corporations wanting to contribute and to still um, keep our teams employed, I mean, it was really a, a great time. We really um, had a great time doing that. and uh, Feed love is still in existence. but, um, you know, you get back to restaurants being open and you're so busy. So we're still trying to do that work. But it's, it's definitely not as um, active as it was during the pandemic, but we still always look for opportunities to do that kind of work. And then there's also regarding her, regarding her food, and that's a women, uh, it's a nonprofit that supports women-owned restaurants and food and beverage businesses. Also, again, during the pandemic, uh, you know, so many of us women were talking and then decided you know what, why don't we try to do something to help our community? And so we all got together and tried to raise funds to help the, the restaurants that were struggling the most. Um, and we did that by re, you know redistributing grants. So that's how it started. But now we actually um, provide a lot of education and resources and networking. And that's also been going strong for the last three years.
0: You know, oftentimes when I interview people, their career path certainly wasn't straight. You started out as a political science major uh, in college. Um, But oftentimes when you go back and you look at uh, individuals in childhood, those that were around them and saw them in childhood are not surprised at where they end up, whether it's um, being in marketing and uh, in finance or it's uh, managing a, a restaurant, or it's starting charitable organizations. Can you trace some of these interests and things back to your childhood and and things that uh, were true about you uh, in in your youth?
1: Oh wow, that's such a good question. Uh, you know, the only thing I can think of really is um, I always seem to be a connector of people and friends. That's the one thing that kind of uh, the through line that I see when I was younger, I was always the friend that kind of kept our groups together and connected. Um, I realized not until much later in life, but I did realize that's kind of where everything comes from is just staying connected with people. And I think that's why I love the hospitality industry so much, honestly, is because it allows you to connect with everyone, not just your guests, but your team that, you know, you're just, you're the people that supply your food, the, you know, the organizations that, that can surround the food industry. I just feel like it really was about my my desire for connection. Um, Because if you look at it, it's not there, it wasn't like I had a finance background. Uh, You know, no one in my family went to college. I was the first one to go to college. You know, my mom was a secretary. My dad was a, at the time, a data entry guy. I don't even think they do that anymore. (laughs) But you know, nobody had professional jobs. Um, And so I didn't even have that as a role model. I just... I just always felt like I wanted to connect with people. And I I tried to find ways to do that. And um, I mean, there are people that I still know from, you know, to this day from everywhere, everywhere I've worked, every school I've been to. I mean, I just tried to stay connected. And through those connections there, there ends up different opportunities, different learnings. I mean, I, you know, I. I just love the idea of connecting with people. And I think it's such an important thing to do throughout your life, no matter what.
0: What's one project when you think back through all of your different uh, endeavors and experiences, what's one project that you would identify as being the most proud of that exceeded most people's expectations, maybe even your own? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. So the scariest, scariest thing for me was when we opened Rosso Blue and we had to raise money. I had never, you know, when we, when we opened Soto, that was easy. I literally had a couple conversations and, um, one hit and that was it. I didn't have to keep looking, um, for Rosso Blue, uh, we had to raise, you know, $2 million to open a restaurant. And, um, I just didn't know how we were going to do it but we ended up doing it by again by connections and having that network and just asking people um but it was very scary you know it's like asking people to believe in you and your dream and your and your goals and um luckily everyone that did invested in us and and you know we've paid them all back and it feels really good to have done that so that was probably the you know, the most successful thing that I feel like I've ever done. And I'm I'm just super proud of it.
0: What advice would you give to young people who are not really knowing where they're headed, or maybe even what they're interested in, but uh, know that they want to discover a career that they're happy with and that they can pursue for the rest of their life? What What advice would you give them?
1: Uh, I mean, I think they should just start having conversations with people, you know, there has to be people in their lives where they can ask these questions, you know, or you can even call like I've spoken to maybe three people that call the restaurant and say, I want to speak to. A restaurant owner about, you know, their career path and how they do it. And um, I talk to these people, and there are people like us that will do that. And I'm sure they're like that, people like us in every industry. I mean, I think that, you know, talking to people, asking questions, um, reading about, you know, what you're interested in. Um, and again, just always staying open to the idea that even if you're in a job, say that you're, you know say you get a job at like a McDonald's or something right it's like just being curious about how things work i mean you never know you there could be things in that in that job that you can find interesting whether it's cooking whether it's service whether it's the technology whether it's the engineering of how they built the place i mean there's so many things you can really think about and be curious about so i you know again i think it's just being curious asking questions and staying open
0: Dina, when I talk to you, it seems like everything, every step of the way was just an absolute complete success. Is that a is that a clear picture or were there lessons learned in other circumstances along the way and if if you're not comfortable sharing that's fine but I think I'd be interested in knowing a little bit about that too.
1: Yeah. So I, there's one failure, <laughs> not maybe not one, but the one that comes to mind, there's probably more, but the one that comes to mind is um, after I left the finance industry, I got recruited to become a video game producer. <laughs> so I went from finance to producing a video game and I didn't know anything about it. Again, I just thought, you know, I had managed money, I had managed people. It'll, it'll all work out. I'm super curious. I'm a fast learner. That was a lot to take on. It was a lot to take on, not knowing the industry, not knowing how video games were built. Um, in hindsight. I wish that I would have asked more questions. I wished that um, I would have shown that that I was afraid um, or not that I was afraid, but that I didn't know the answers. Um, I was so busy trying to act like I knew everything and I think that that was you know to the detriment of um, of my position there. So that's I, I've never said that. I can't believe I'm telling you that, but that is something that uh, that I definitely I, I look back on and think, wow I wish I would have just, you know, ask more questions.
0: I think that's really important for young people to hear that there's opportunities both in success and in failure, the opportunity to learn from, you know, things that you maybe could have done different so that you can do them differently in the future. And so I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that because a lot of people will benefit uh, from that story. We're almost out of time uh, with regard to our time together here. And i I want to ask a question that I ask at the end of almost every episode, and that is, Dino, what is your future groove? What are you working towards, say, in the next three to five years?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. So the next three to five years, I'm really staying focused on two things uh, business-wise one is um, the expansion of this superfine brand um, it's really something that we believe in um, the food that we're making the hospitality that we're offering and just the the brand overall um, so you know hopefully you will see future Superfine pizza locations other than just the two that we are going to have so that's one that I'm working on and then the second is with regarding her food our nonprofit um, our goal is really to launch this nonprofit nationally. Um, we already have Los Angeles. We have Washington, D.C. And the idea is really to unite all women in food and beverage operators together across the country. And um, it's, we can tell just in L.A. and D.C. alone, it's much needed. So we can only imagine how much it's needed across the country.
0: Do you have any final thoughts uh, along all of the different places that we've uh, sort of visited and along the way here?
1: You know, no, I mean, gosh, you asked so many questions and got so many facets of my life. You know, I I think the one thing that I would just like to say, just to kind of tie it all together, is really to kind of keep connecting with people. I mean, I think that that's really what can help answer, help you answer questions um, about anything that you have Um, and also to not be afraid of not knowing where you're going to end up or 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 of change. I mean, if I was afraid of any of those things, I would probably still be in miserable in finance in New York alone, (laughs) you know, trying to just like slug it through. So I, I think it's super important to just stay very open and curious.
0: Dina Sampson, thank you so much for being on Future Groove today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Future Groove podcast. You can find the show notes for this and other episodes on the Future Groove website by connecting to futuregroove.com. You'll also find links to organizations and resources referenced in today's conversation. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us, our email address is john at futuregroove.com. We are especially grateful for our executive producer, Kelly Cooper, and our pre- and post-production engineer and studio master, Nicholas Chamberlain, at EveryWord Media. Until next time, I'm John Harris wishing you all the best in finding your future groove.